You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunkin' with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Thank you for making Locked On Wolves your first listen each and every day. Remember, Locked On Wolves is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. We're a couple months into a run on YouTube now, as well as, of course, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Locked On T Wolves. And my account at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. Happy Monday, everybody. Happy game day. The Timberwolves take on the Orlando Magic tonight at Target Center. They continue their six home games in seven uh, overall games at the start of the season here, which is obviously very favorable to get off to a good start. The Wolves stand at three and two after a difficult loss to the Nuggets on Saturday. If you missed the post game pod, recorded it right after the game on Saturday and included, of course, overall key game takeaways, as well as individual studs and duds. So if you missed that and want to get caught up to speed on everything Wolves, we are doing weekend post-game pods this year. So be sure that you are subscribed, that you're following the show, and that you're checking in on the weekends to get your Timberwolves fix every single day. Uh, Today on the show, what I want to do is I want to talk about some key takeaways of the season so far. I want to dig in. Uh, There's four things I want to talk about. One, I'll dig in a little bit more on. Uh, The four, I'll, I'll... Well, I'll get into the four things here in a second. We'll close the show by talking about a preview of Timberwolves Magic on Monday night. That again, at Target Center, the Magic are just one in six. And this is obviously a very winnable game for the Timberwolves and important. uh, You know, these these games at home against bottom five, bottom six teams, very clearly bottom five or six teams in the league. The Wolves started the season with one against the Rockets and, of course, played extremely well. Uh, These are games that are must wins for a team that likely will not have a super wide margin between either getting into the playoffs and avoiding the play in, perhaps getting a six seed in the West or between the seven seed and the nine or 10 seed or between potentially the nine or 10 seed or missing the playoffs entirely. Um, so these are the sorts of games that the Wolves need to win far more than they, than they dropped this season. And of course, those are the sorts of, uh, these are exact, exactly the situations that the Wolves of the past couple of years have really struggled and led to them being a, not a playoff team um, or even struggling when healthy, right? When, when the team was largely healthy, which didn't happen a lot the last couple of years, these are the sorts of games that the Wolves didn't always manage to win. Um, okay, let's start with some takeaways of the season so far. I'm going to hit four things. Um, let's start with uh, let's start with rotation challenges, um, and this is more a function of the Timberwolves' depth than it is. Uh, you know, I, I'm certainly not. I don't want this to come off as a "Hey, Chris Finch has messed up for these reasons" or in these areas so far this year. That's not where I'm headed with this, um, and I, I've defended him a little bit on the show here. Uh, I think it was maybe Wednesday's. Eh, it wasn't the Milwaukee game. Maybe it was last Monday's loss against against uh, against the Pelicans, where I talked about the rotation, which was also a little bit head scratching on Saturday. But we're you know depending. We're now five games into a season with a team that is largely the same as last year, but with the number of injuries that this team had, and also the additions of Torian Prince and Patrick Beverly, two rotation guys, the changing landscape of an entirely healthy team. Um, it's understandable that Chris Finch doesn't have a set rotation. And I've talked about how it's a good thing that Finch is very likely to mix and match based on matchups far more than previous Timberwolves coaches, including Ryan Saunders. And even in a lot of cases, Tom Thibodeau, and he's not going to have a rotation where the starters all play, you know, their whatever, 28 to 32 minutes. So the bench guys each have their allotted 16 or 14 or 10 minutes. I think this is going to be a lot more fluid. That said, there's a couple of things that stand out to me as 
Um, shortcomings so far in terms of rotation, in terms of how Fitch has handled the rotation. The best example is Jared Vanderbilt. Um, Vando, I was predicting in the offseason, or I was suggesting that he should be in the starting lineup for the Wolves. My thought was he would be the starting four, Beasley's at the two, and Edwards plays the three. I think a lot of other people thought it'd be Vando at the four, McDan- Jade McDaniels at the three. Instead, we've seen um, both kind of both versions of those of that lineup, but with one player different, right? Beasley has yet to start a game. We saw the start of the season, Akogi at the three and McDaniels at the four. And then we saw McDaniels slide to the three, bump Akogi to the bench and start Vanderbilt at the four each of the last two games. The win against Milwaukee last week in which Vanderbilt guarded Giannis Attentacupo. And then Saturday, the loss to uh, to Denver, we saw that same starting lineup that we saw on Wednesday. Who knows, coming off of a loss, perhaps Chris Finch shuffles things again. I'd be surprised at this point if Beasley joins the starting lineup, and that's not what I'm advocating for. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if the lineup looks a little different on Monday. Um, so Vanderbilt did not start in the first three games of the season. He played just 15 minutes in the opener, only 12 minutes in the second game of the season, and only eight in the loss to the Pelicans last Monday. Then against Milwaukee, Vanderbilt joined the starting lineup. He was the designated stopper of Giannis, the uh, you know MVP from just a couple of years ago. He started for the Timberwolves, played 30 minutes and had a double-double. I think he had 10 and 13 in that game, if I'm not mistaken. And then uh, Finch leaves Vanderbilt in the starting lineup against Denver on Saturday, but he ultimately only played 16 minutes. Late in the game, Finch went to a Carl Anthony Towns Nas Reed front court to try and combat the Bucks uh, edge, uh, or excuse me, the, uh, the Nuggets edge on the glass. And tried to put Nas Reed on Nikola Jokic. Didn't work out all that well. Uh, there just isn't as much versatility, as much quickness with Vando off the floor in favor of Nas Reed defensively. Um, and I, that's not why the Wolves lost. They lost because they missed a lot of easy buckets, I guess, to put it simply. I, I broke it down a little bit more on the postgame pod, but they missed Anthony Edwards especially. But he wasn't the only culprit missing layups, missing uh, just shots in the paint in general and wide open threes for that matter. Um, but at any rate... There, there's a common thread here in the Wolves' losses. Vanderbilt had his um, had played less minutes in the losses, right? He played eight minutes in the loss to the Pelicans. He saw his minutes drop from 30 in the win against the Bucks to just 16 in the loss to the Nuggets the following uh, the following game. We'll see what happens on Monday. I don't know if he's going to start or not against the Magic. I, I don't. Um, I mean. I would I would start him. I've, I'm on record many times as saying that uh, if you're a regular listener to the show, you may have gotten sick of me talking about Jared Vanderbilt and how perfect of a fit he is next to Carl Anthony Towns in the front court. But Vanderbilt to me is the biggest victim of this kind of shuffling of the lineup early in the season. And, and uh, by and large, the Timberwolves are much better with Jared Vanderbilt on the floor, especially when they're struggling as much as they are rebounding the basketball. They remain last in the league in defensive rebounding percentage, uh, dead last. 30th in the NBA in team defensive rebounding rate. Um, Jared Vanderbilt is the best rebounder on the team right now. He's out-rebounded Carl Anthony Towns in terms of rebound rate. And, uh, you know, on a, on a, on a permanent basis, is a better rebounder this year. And, I mean, he and Towns are really the only two plus rebounders on this roster. Um, and so I think the more minutes for Vanderbilt, the better, generally speaking. Another example is Josh Okogie. He, of course, started the first three games. He played 21 minutes of the opener, went to 18 in the second game, just 11 in the loss to the Pelicans. Didn't play at all in Milwaukee. It was a DNPCD and, uh, you know, obviously was dressed, but didn't play. And then came off the bench and played 19 games against Denver on Saturday in a loss. Uh, so I think a Kogi may be the guy whose minutes shift the most from depending on matchups from, you know, 20 minutes one night to zero the next in, in the case of the Bucks, you know, with no Drew Holiday, uh, it, the, it made sense for the Timberwolves to play. Vanderbilt on Giannis, right? Kogi was never going to guard Giannis. So it makes sense to have Vanderbilt or McDaniels guarding Giannis. And, it, you know, Josh Kogi drew the short straw in that scenario. And I think that's fine. 
but it's notable that his minutes have fluctuated all the way from 21 to 19 to 18 to 11 to zero. Uh, I think is I think is fascinating. Jordan, uh, Jordan McLaughlin's another example, although his is a little bit easier to explain. He played 18 minutes in the season opener because, of course, Patrick Beverly missed the game against the Rockets due to serving the suspension from the playoffs last year. But J-Mac played 18 in the opener. He still played 12 minutes. Remember, in game two, that was the win against the Pelicans. McLaughlin didn't play at all in the first three quarters, looked for all the world like he was going to be out of the rotation once uh, once Beverly was back. But then he played the entire fourth quarter and helped lead the Timberwolves to a win over the Pels. He played just 11 in the loss to New Orleans, five against the Bucks, and four against the Nuggets on Saturday. So um, McLaughlin, honestly, there's a chance he wasn't ever going to be in the regular rotation but then he played so well in Beverly's absence. And then in the fourth quarter of of the win against the Pelicans last weekend, that uh, Chris Finch has kind of shoehorned McLaughlin's way into the, or shoehorned a way to put McLaughlin in the rotation. And it's kind of been an awkward fit. Um, but, I, you know, I've thought all along that there was a chance that he basically just plays a role to spell, uh, you know, Russell or Beverly, if the Wolves want to come back with Russell and Beverly lineups towards the end of the game. But McLaughlin's another guy who's going to see his minutes fluctuate a bit depending on a variety of other factors. So uh, those are the biggest challenges to this point, I think, in regards to the rotation. And it's notable. Um, I'm curious to see, you know, we could, we could after every game, we could gripe about rotation individual games. But once we go back, you know, in a, another couple of weeks, maybe another five to seven games, we can take another look at this and say, you know, see how things progress as the team goes out on the road, as they start to play back-to-backs, how do the minutes loads change for each player in the roster? Um, and specifically for Vanderbilt, Okogie, and McLaughlin, because I think those guys are going to be the ones whose minutes maybe aren't the most consistent. Okay. Next, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the offense overall, and then D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, their specific roles in the offense. Before we get to a quick preview of Wolves Magic, we're going to do all that here in just a second. First though, let's talk about our friends over at Indeed. Thanks to the great resignation, the job market is filled with once-in-a-generation talent. So how is your organization going to put together an all-star team? Your front office needs an all-star roster. You need Indeed. Indeed is a hiring partner that gets you what you really want, a short list of quality candidates as fast as possible because you could do it all. Attract, interview, and hire all at Indeed. Don't struggle on your own to find quality candidates. Indeed can help you hire the right people right now. Indeed partners with you in every step of the hiring process so you can find talent with the skills you need through tools like Indeed Instant Match assessments and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description, and you can even invite them to apply right away. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash slash locked on. With Indeed Instant Match, over 90% of employers get quality candidates as soon as they sponsor their job posts, according to Indeed data. Candidates you invite to apply through Instant Match are three times more likely to apply to your job than those who only see it in search, according to Indeed data. Again, you can get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked on. That's a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked on. Indeed.com slash Locked on. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's also talk about our friends over at DirecTV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, 
I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part is that there's no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and get into another couple of uh, uh, key takeaways from the season so far. So the offense as a whole, there's no secret. It's no secret that the offense has struggled. Currently, they're number 23 in offensive efficiency, offensive rating. That's through play on Saturday. Um, over the weekend. So that does include the loss on Saturday to Denver when the Wolves scored just 91 points. They've scored less than 100 points in three of their first five games this season. And uh, thankfully, the defense has been great. Currently number six in defensive rating through play on Saturday. Um, So that's definitely positive. What have the issues been offensively? Well, first of all, the flow of the offense has generally struggled, although I actually thought it was much better on Saturday, despite only scoring the season low 91 points and losing the game. I thought that the offense actually seemed to improve in terms of how they were executed on Saturday. They were getting more open shots. They were getting to the rim more often. Their transition opportunities weren't completely disastrous. The issue is more just making shots, both in the paint as well as on the perimeter. And that wasn't, I mean, I mean, that's fixable, right? The Wolves aren't going to shoot poorly every single game. They've got too many shot makers. D'Angelo Russell from the perimeter, Malik Beasley from the perimeter, and in transition, Carl Anthony Towns from everywhere. Anthony Edwards, from really from everywhere, but especially in the paint, is not always going to struggle missing so many bunnies around the rim and also go 0 for 6 outside the arc like he did against Denver on Saturday. So that's not really a concern. And I actually was, was encouraged by the overall competence, or or I should say the execution, I guess, of moving the ball in the half-court offense and in transition, going from transition opportunities through the secondary break into a half-court offense. I thought that all looked better on Saturday, and it was more the actual, uh, the result of the shots versus the execution getting the shots. And that made me, again, encouraged. Um, Specifically, I want to talk briefly about both D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. First, There's no bones about it. D'Angelo Russell has been really bad so far this season. Outside of the third quarter and the win against Houston back on the season opener almost two weeks ago. And then uh, I guess it was the win over the Bucs, I believe. He had a pretty good shooting performance. I think it was that game. Outside of that, he has not been good. Uh, There's no no two ways about it. D'Angelo Russell has had a poor season so far. Um, To this point, I'm going to pull up his shooting percentage. He is, uh, what, 38%? from the field, just 30% from three-point range. He's also second on the team in usage rate ahead of Carl Anthony Towns. And um, I think this all comes back to looking for the proper role for D'Angelo Russell. He's always been the first or second option, you know, I guess not including his first couple of years with the Lakers, but Nets, you know, the bad Warriors team was Steph Curry was out a couple of years ago. D'Angelo Russell was the offense. He was the, go, the go-to guy. He was at times for the Wolves and Towns was out. And it didn't, generally work that well over the long haul. In, in short bursts, it can work extremely well. Delo's a, a bucket getter, right? But he's not consistent enough to do it on a regular basis. He doesn't get to the free throw line enough or score in the paint enough to make it a, a nightly occurrence. His best role with the Wolves is as a primary creator and a secondary um, option on offense, as a, really as a catch-and-shoot guy who can create his own offense in post-up situations, in a pinch, in clutch, you know, end-of-quarter, end-of-game situations, 
when you just need a bucket or if the shot clock breaks down, you want D'Lo to be the guy shooting those shots, right? I have no problem with him getting isolation opportunities in, in crunch time. A lot of times that's what offense devolves into anyway, and he's good in those situations. Over the course of the game, outside of a couple pull-up threes in transition, you don't want D'Lo dominating your offense. You want your offense to run through Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. Um, D'Lo, unfortunately, it just hasn't found the right balance yet. And I think long-term, we're going to see in crunch time, we're going to see a lot of Patrick Beverly and D'Angelo Russell together in the backcourt and Anthony Edwards potentially initiate an offense as we get into the season. I think that's the best way to handle this. I think D'Lo is best with his team as a catch-and-shoot guy. Anthony Edwards with the ball in his hands and orchestrate an offense, especially now that we've seen the side of him where he's improving his ability to distribute to team teammates, to make first, second, third reads, almost like a quarterback in football, right? The better that a quarterback is and the more advanced he is usually in his career, the better he's going to be at getting through his entire uh, progression, right? You get the first read, second read's not open, I'll go to the third read. And Anthony Edwards is to that point. You can actually see him processing some of this stuff. You go back and uh, the Bucks game is a good example. I think he had Giannis on him at one point. Um, and there was another, there was a dribble handoff with Towns where you could kind of see Ant thinking, do I drive? Do I pass it to Towns now? Do I pull up and shoot? And he's got all these different, this menu of options. And instead of just doing the first thing that comes to mind, like he did as a rookie, he's actually taking a half beat to, to, to process and to decide what to do next. And that shows incredible maturation and, and growth for somebody who's still only 20 years old. And at times it seems as though Edwards is actually weighing these options better than, than now a veteran, frankly, like D'Angelo Russell. And I think Russell's best role is in a catch and shoot, you know, shot clock, you know, winds down, offense breaks down, D'Lo, you know, get us a bucket. That's his best role with this team right now. The problem is that he's trying to find where he actually fits and hasn't quite, the Wolves haven't threaded that needle yet with D'Lo. And I think Chris Finch is probably a better conduit to convey this message than say Ryan Saunders was. We all know that D'Angelo Russell and Ryan Saunders weren't exactly on the same page. And I, I don't think that Ryan used D'Lo in the best way. And I don't think D'Lo responded to Ryan's coaching in the best way. Um, but it'll be really interesting to see how this develops moving forward. D'Lo has been, I mean, frankly, for lack of a better term, atrocious so far this year, outside of the one quarter against the Rockets and most of, I think it was the game against the Bucks when he had 25 on 12 or 26 shooting or something. Uh, besides those, those like roughly five quarters, he's been really, really bad. Um, and once he finds his role in this offense, he could be a really, really dangerous third option. And that's what he should be. Yes, he's overpaid. I know he's on a max contract. I know that he can make big shots at the end of games, but he should be the third option behind Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, which brings me to my last point for key takeaways so far this season. And this will be the topic, probably a longer topic on a future show, but I want to hit it briefly today. And that's Carl Anthony Towns' role in the Timberwolves offense. Chris Finch acknowledged after the game on Saturday that Cat needed to be more involved, that basically he said, well, actually here, I'll find the exact quote. Um, Chris Finch, this is transcribed by John Krasinski of The Athletic. He says, Chris Finch says, quote, we needed to find Catmore. 11 shots is not enough. I'll take responsibility for a lot of that. In general, we got to find him more. He's been super efficient for us. He rarely leads us in shot attempts, end quote. So that led me to pull usage rates for the Wolves this year. I mentioned earlier that uh, D'Lo was second, Anthony Edwards is first in usage rate. Towns is third on the team in usage rate. Not what you want. It's not the end of the world and it's not a drastic difference. And yes, we're talking about five games so far. But Towns should be number one in usage rate. At worst, number two next to Edwards, and it should be close. Uh, and again, usage rate, if you're not familiar, is basically, well, it's exactly what it sounds like. The number of possessions that end with a player using that possession, right? Whether that be a, a shot, a, you know, a missed shot, a turnover, 
basically the the way that a possession ends gets credited to that player as usage as part of their usage rate. Um, so then I dug a little bit more into the tracking numbers over at NBA.com, and Towns so far this season has averaged 67.6 touches per game. So touches of the basketball and offense per game. Last year under Finch, so after Finch took over on February 23rd, over 39 games coached by Finch, Towns Towns averaged 69.8 touches. So that's uh, 2.2 touches less per game. His amount of time of possession per touch is down slightly from 2.5 seconds per touch to 2.4. His post-up touches are also down. And these are down significantly. Last year under Finch, the last 39 games of the season, again, throwing out the portion of the year coached by Ryan Saunders, Towns averaged 8.5 post touches per game. So far this season through five games, Towns has averaged only 6.2 post-up touches and 4.8 patent touches per game. That's a full 2.3 less post-up touches per game and 0.2 less paint touches per game. Um, His elbow touches are up by one and a half, but still, with the post-up touches down by more than two, that means overall his touches in the half quarter are down significantly from last year. A couple of touches a game matters, right? Uh, that that adds up over the course of a week. Um, in one game, two touches a game matters. If, if those are two possessions where Towns doesn't touch the ball, um, that could be, if it's, you know, this is this is obviously a dramatic example, and I'm not suggesting that every time Towns doesn't get a shot, Josh Okogie does. But if you have two possessions where it's not Towns and it's Josh Akogi or it's Jared Vanderbilt getting a shot attempt, um, then uh, then that's a wasted possession. Um, that's a really crude way to say that. I get it, but that's 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 I guess maybe the the easiest way to say it. Um, Towns' usage rate overall has slipped slightly. He was at twenty nine point one percent last year. This year he's twenty eight point three percent. Edwards is a tick above thirty percent, and Russell's at twenty nine and a half. So Russell's just behind Edwards, and then Towns is a full one point two percentage points behind D'Lo in terms of usage rate, which again, not what you want. Um, Saturday against the Nuggets, Towns only had 11 shot attempts, scored just 14 points, wasn't in foul trouble, uh, wasn't limited by anything in the game. There was no reason for him to only have 11 shot attempts. Sometimes in the past, it's been easy to point the finger and say, hey, Towns isn't being aggressive enough. He's deferring, whatever. That's not the case this year. I don't, I haven't felt that at all. I just think that Either D'Lo or Edwards, the Wolves get locked into calling plays primarily for Edwards, and D'Lo finds his own shots. Um, and also, Towns has had matchups and is still the focal point, uh, difficult matchups, and has been the focal point of opposing defenses. But the Wolves have to find a way to get him more than 11 shots in a game that the Wolves lose by two points and only score 91 points. And Finch acknowledged that. So I'm not at all dragging Finch for this. I just think the Wolves need to be a little bit more creative. And, you know, as I talked about a minute ago, Russell needs to find his role in the offense and that should free up more opportunities for Towns. But that's something to track. I, I, not for a minute am I concerned that Finch will not improve this, but that is one reason why the Timberwolves offense has struggled is the lack of Towns touches. Um, and as Towns gets more touches, we're going to see this offense rise from number 23 in the league. I'm sure it's going to be top 15 by the year's end. And I'd even, I'm pretty confident this is a top 10 to 12 offense in the league when it's all said and done. Okay. I want to do a quick preview of Timberwolves Pistons, uh, excuse me, Timberwolves Magic here. Uh, I had bad, bad Eastern conference teams on the brain. Timberwolves Magic. I want to do a quick preview of that here next. First though, let's talk about our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar of all time. It is fantastic. It tastes exactly like a candy bar. I placed another Built Bar order on Sunday to arrive hopefully later this week. Um, a couple new flavors to try out. There's some fall flavors there. If you're not sure, if you're not familiar with Built Bar and you just want to sample it, get a mix box. You'll get two of each of the nine flavors. You can also get a box where you, you pick two flavors and you get an equal number of each bar. So I did that today. 
Um, and I got some more blueberry muffin, which are phenomenal, a new flavor at builtbar.com. If you get a mix box though, you know, definitely try out the cookies and cream, the mint brownie, the coconut are all delicious. I ordered some coconut almond today. Um, and yes, they're delicious, but they're also healthy for you. Built Bar macros, 17 to 18 grams of protein per bar, calories ranging from just 130 to 180 calories, four to five grams of sugar and just four to five grams net carbs. They're all delicious and all healthy for you. Built Bar is also the official protein bar of the US track and field team. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. All right, let's uh, close the show today by a by doing a Wolves Magic preview. <clears throat> so the Magic are just one in six this season. They are tied for the worst record in the league. The only time that they won was they played a home and home against the Knicks. They lost the Knicks in Orlando, then beat them at Madison Square Garden the very next game. And uh, that's their only victory this year. They're one in six. They most recently lost to the Pistons, who are now one in five after losing on Sunday. So we're talking about one of the worst teams in the league, hands down. Um, before the season started, my prediction was that they would be the worst team in the league. And I, I think ultimately they're going to be worse than the Pistons. I think they're going to be worse than the Thunder. Although that's probably close. I think they'll be worse than, uh, I mean, I mean, who else? Oh, the Houston Rockets. I think the Rockets will be better than the Magic. I think the Magic end up the worst team in the league. Uh, by the way, the Pacers are also one in six, which is weird. I don't think the Pacers end up one of the bottom, bottom teams in the East. But at any rate, the Magic are currently tied with the Pacers for the worst record in the league. The Thunder are just behind them, and uh, the Pelicans are also just one and six. So um, now, to be clear, I don't, the Wolves obviously shouldn't overlook anybody. I get that. The Pelicans are one and six. They're only wins against the Wolves. However, this is a very, very, very winnable game for the Wolves and the perfect game for the offense to get right. Um the Magic are, are 30th in defensive rating, last in the league in defensive rating. Um, on the flip side, if the Wolves put up 120 and win this game easily you know, by double digits, we shouldn't get too excited because it is the league's worst defense. The Wolves also had a great offensive game against the Rockets on opening night. Um, but this would be a massive step in the right direction. Uh, the Magic are also only 21st in offensive efficiency, offensive rating. So that means that overall their net rating is just 29th in the league through play on Saturday. Um, Orlando, of course, has multiple injuries, long-term injuries that guys are still re- uh, uh, still recovering from. Markel Fultz is out, uh, doesn't have a timetable for return. He's tore his ACL last year. Jonathan Isaac um, is getting closer to returning, but is still not back. Um, veteran guy, you know, Gary Harris, there's a chance he plays. I think he's questionable for the game, uh, at this stage, he's played in four of the magic seven games so far this year, but he's more of a bench guy for them. Their starting lineup's been the same each night. They start second year player, Cole Anthony, who a lot of people liked as a rookie. I thought he was a little bit overrated. His efficiency struggled a little, but he's been really good so far this year, averaging just under 18 points a game. Um, Franz Wagner, Mo Bamba, Jalen Suggs, the rookie, of course, Minnesota native starts for this team. So that'll be fun to watch him. Then Wendell Carter Jr., who they got in the trade with the Bulls last year, um, is an intriguing starting five. Uh, there just isn't real depth on this team. And even though it's intriguing from a, a, an age perspective, right, those guys are all 23 and younger. Um, it's not all that effective from, certainly from a defensive perspective, right? Cole Anthony's a, a terrible defender. Mobamba's actually struggled surprisingly defensively. It's one of the reasons why Jalen Suggs is such a good fit for them is, is he should be a good perimeter defender. He struggled so far as a pro, but um, that's to be expected. He's 20 and uh, has played in seven games so far. So all that to say, the Timberwolves should have no problem scoring against the Orlando Magic in this game. There's not a matchup that's really scary at all for for um, for Towns in this game. He should be able to score on Mobamba, no problem. Wendell Carter Jr. is a good player, but Towns shouldn't have any issues against him. 
And on the perimeter, I mean, Minnesota's defense should be able to swarm and slow down the likes of uh, Cole Anthony and, and Jalen Suggs and off the bench, Terrence Ross, of course, who's, who's a, a solid veteran player. Um, this is, this is a, a game that Timberwolves should win uh, going away. Um, interestingly, I, I mean, the Timberwolves, again, I said this earlier, are 30th in the league in, in uh, defensive rebounding rate. The, uh, the Magic are 23rd in defensive rebounding rate. They are ninth in offensive rebounding rate. So if the Wolves are going to lose this game, it's because they're allowing second chance points. Again, the Wolves' lack of defensive rebounding. Um, the Magic are actually a good offensive rebounding team. Wendell Carter Jr. is a great example of a player who could play volleyball on the backboard, you know, get putback makes um, and, and second chance points could really hurt the Timberwolves. Um, the Magic are also a pretty good three-point shooting team. They're 11th in the league and attempts per game and eighth in shooting percentage, which means they're fifth and makes per game, just under 14 threes made per game. Cole Anthony's above 42%. Uh, Wagner's above 40, uh, 43.8%. Mobamba's shooting 44.8%. They've got four players as part of their main rotation shooting better than 40% from outside the arc. Um, so it'll be three point shooting and second chance points that could hurt the wolves. Again, the magic aren't awful offensively. They're 21st in offensive rating. It's the defense, uh, that struggles for the magic. So, uh, again, limit second chance points, make, uh, three point shots difficult for the magic, at least make them work for them. Don't give them wide open perimeter shots where they can either get back in a game in the game. If the wolves get up big early or, uh, you know, build a lead, by making open threes. If the Wolves can do those two things, they won't have any problem getting enough buckets offensively in this game against Orlando. So it's going to come down to second chance points in perimeter defense, in my opinion. The Wolves at this point are at full strength as of uh, recording this over the weekend. Uh, late Sunday, the Timberwolves just have McKinley Wright unavailable because he's with the Iowa Wolves of the G League. Uh, Leandro Balmaro was on the bench for the game on Saturday. The Timberwolves recalled him after he put up a double-double Friday night. Didn't talk about that at all on the show, but he played in the preseason game for the Iowa Wolves on Friday and had, I think it was 20 and 10 uh, with like three assists was I think four and nine on three point shots and shot 50% from the field for the Iowa Wolves on Friday. Um, so go seek out the Balmaro Iowa Wolves highlights in their preseason game. If you get a chance, uh, they don't play again until the end of this week. So Balmaro, I would expect to, will stay with the Wolves here for the near future, but bounce back and forth a bit during the season as the schedule allows. Um, so we'll be back after the game on Monday night, uh, immediately following. We'll do a post game podcast and do takeaways from the game game flow, as well as individual studs and duds. And again, that post late Monday, we're not going to wait until Tuesday to get that up. So be sure that you're following and subscribed. Thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Remember, the show is free and available on all platforms. That includes YouTube, as well as Apple, Google, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves and at Beacon with two Bs, two Es, CK, yet. Reminder that Locked On Wolves is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves Podcast, and we'll catch you next time.